I'm Grant Berry. Welcome to the Romans 911 podcast. We're stepping into the reconnection in the one new man into John 17, love and unity is becoming a reality. Beloved, today I want to focus and introduce to you the Romans 911 webinar. There are three focuses to the Romans 911 Project media plan. The first is actually the webinar, which we're going to listen to today. The second is this podcast that we're on, Romans 911 Podcast. And then our third and final focus for the media plan is the Romans 911 Talks. And these are interviews with various messianic and gentile leaders that are moving into the reconnection message as well as to interview other leaders to enter into dialogue and discussion to really bring this message to the threshold of the church that is now our mission in these next few years that the church the greater church at large would have the opportunity not just to hear the message but also to understand and embrace the significance of the reconnection message during these days. And as we know, it's like a golden key that opens the door to the Father's end time plans, but it only comes by spiritual revelation. And indeed, it has been hidden during the church age and is really only just now coming to light in its fullness as we come into the unveiling of this mystery that Paul challenged us not to be ignorant about as we come into the fullness of the Gentiles and Israel's salvation. Our approach to the Romans 911 Project webinar is to basically have almost like a, a virtual Bible study, a format where believers can come in over Zoom from different nations and we can come together in love and unity and really begin to dialogue. And the way we've set up the webinar focus is we've worked with for a couple of years before we even launched the media program, many different leaders and watchmen that have gone deeper already into this reconnection message. And we've invited them to be panelists with us. And so what we do is I host the uh, webinar and I have one topic that I bring to light to give a brief description. And then I open it up for the panelists to dialogue and share. And then for the other half of the webinar, we're totally open to you, the beloved, with any questions, concerns, and you can feel free to enter into dialogue with us on these issues. And I tell you, there's a very necessary part of this restoration, which requires us coming together and talking things through without any negative emotions, but in a, a positive dialogue that we can begin to really unpack and expose the way the evil one has fostered separation between us 
in these days and in these next few years, I believe we're going to see the Father release a greater measure of His love through us that will enable us to melt away the obstacles and work through our differences. So we're very pleased to introduce to you several recordings over the next few weeks that we're going to be listening to from our webinar podcasts. And if you'd like to join us, we meet the first Thursday of each month. You can go onto the Romans 911 website, romans911.org, and sign up there. And when you sign up, we will send you a free copy of the Romans 911 second edition. Beloved, blessings to you and, and enjoy this podcast. Lots of love. Beloved, uh, welcome to the Romans 911 Project web webinar. We're stepping in to John 17, love and unity in the one you man is becoming a reality. Uh, this is a special night, uh, at least in America anyway, because today on the first Thursday of May is the National Day of Prayer. And so many millions of Christians have been praying all over the country. And we just want to, before we start, just to say a blessing and to uh, just agree with uh, the prayers that have gone up to the throne room for revival and awakening and for restoration, and especially for the church to understand during these days that we are coming into a transformation that is greatly needed so the Father can rebuild love and unity in us so that ultimately he can release the fullness of glory on us. Well, this is the Romans 911 Project webinar. We use the Romans 911 Project materials, the, the main book, the second edition, and the Romans 911 study guide. And um, uh, each month we meet, and the idea is to dialogue, is for us to, to, to speak. And we have uh, many panelists who have, we've been working together for already a couple of years, um, just developing on this focus and developing uh, dialogue between each other. And uh, the way we handle the, the webinar is for the first part, I will introduce the subject of discussion for tonight. And then I'll hand it over to the uh, panelists. And then we enter into a somewhat of a dialogue amongst the panelists. And then if you have questions and comments, please feel free. We, we really want you to be comfortable. May this be uh, an hour where God's family gets together. We kibbutz together. That's a Yiddish word for talking. Um, we're going to uh, dialogue and have some fun as we talk about these issues. And it's so greatly needed, beloved, for us to, to come into greater, deeper understanding on these issues. Our topic of discussion tonight um, is Christianity is Jewish. Wow, that's quite a statement, right? Well, Christianity is Jewish. What, what do we mean by that? I want to give um, a brief, just a brief outline explanation, and then I want to handle it over to, to our panelists to, to, you know, to enter into a deeper discussion on this. But a couple of things, a couple of foundational things. Yeshua said to us, salvation comes from the Jews. Yeshua also said to his disciples, remember when that um, lady tried to 
who was uh, not Jewish. She tried to uh, uh, re uh, receive a word, a message from the Lord, and even uh, even was looking to just get the crumbs underneath the table. And Yeshua explains to, to us that he had to come to Israel first. Why? Why? Why do you have to come to Israel first? Because he chose uh, 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 the firstborn in the family to release his covenants and promises. And he had to fulfill uh, one of those covenants and promises and, uh, uh, and major dispensations really was the giving of the law. And so um, Yeshua comes to fulfill the law and Israel had a calling to bring God's light and word out to the nations. So uh, Jesus comes first to the lost sheep of, of Israel. He fulfills the law by going to the cross and the resurrection. And then key verse in John 17, 20, now uh, I'm going to pray for those of you, meaning the Gentiles, who will believe in your message, meaning the Jewish believers in the church that founded the church, the remnant of Israel that tracked with the Lord, who established the ecclesia and took Yeshua out to the nations so that God's children from the nations could believe in him and become one with Israel, but also to receive Israel's covenants and promises. That is the one new man that changed the world. That is the one new man that had the power of God upon it that Rome could not contend with. And so um, there's, this, the, uh, there's this place of, of um, uh, the true path of Judaism is only through Yeshua, right? I mean, if you really believe that Jesus is the Messiah and he paid the price for your sin, he came from Judaism. And so the true and proper extension of Judaism is only through Mashiach, through Christ. So those Jews that do not believe in him, orthodox or secular, Paul describes them as broken off branches that need to be reestablished back into the, their own olive tree. And so we know that as uh, the kingdom of God advanced and as the church began to develop it, uh, it became more Gentile. And we know that uh, as the, the, the church developed, it began to move away from its Jewish roots and heritage and the foundation that God established with this beautiful one new man in, in the family. And when the church merged with Rome, um, many of its Jewish roots and heritage were severed so much so that the church now goes out uh, into the nations, developing with some of these negative influences already in the spirit. And from that point on, if a Jew wanted to become uh, a believer, they had to become uh, like uh, the Gentiles. So there was a reversal of of really of the whole position of the one new man that the church has promoted for the last 1700 years and because that because the jewish roots and and heritage was severed 
um, by the ancestral church, the, the, the identity of your church was affected. Uh, and then as we know, replacement teachers, teachings come along and begin to influence the church, thinking that they are Israel without Israel. And of course, uh, during uh, Israel's dispersion, this was a challenge for the church to even comprehend. But we now know, as the Lord looks to restore Israel, that this, that that the switch, if you like, needs to be switched back. And it's very interesting because um, my wife really discovered her Jewish roots and heritage when when she read this particular comment in my first book, The New Covenant Prophecy, that the true path of Christianity, the true path of Judaism is, is, is Christianity. So I want to just basically uh, hand it over to Hallie for a moment so she can share and relate to you from a Jewish perspective what it was like for her to be in the church um, and sort of have to conform really to the Gentile side of the tree. And then all of a sudden this light went on. So uh, Hallie, I want to give it over to you to kind of share your experience and then uh, please invite some of the other panelists to share with us. Amen. Well, it's a, such a perfect picture of the church believing they replaced Israel. And I say this with no bitterness or in any way, but I, growing up as an Orthodox Jew and then many years later running away from everything and living a sinful life wound up long story short in a church and loving by by now i was so disconnected to my jewish everything and anything i wanted nothing to do with my jewish heritage whatsoever but i met i met yeshua i met jesus and I was sitting in church, completely engaged, immersed in Christianity. Nothing had any connection to my Hebrew Hebrew roots. Nothing, and they all. And here's the thing: my leaders, all of them in the church, knew I was Jewish. They all knew, and not one, not one ever came up to me and said. You know, hey, psst, you know, let me tell you about who you really are. Let me tell you about your identity. Let me tell you about your role. Let me, nothing. And so I was completely content with my own veil on. I talk about being a broken off branch. I probably was, well, because I'm Jewish, I probably was like a leaf on one of those broken off branches, you know, or maybe a twig on a twig. But I still was completely disconnected to who I was in my identity. And and I was confusing to other people, you know, they were like, what's up with you? What it, Cause I was like, I love Jesus, <clears throat> but I'm Jewish. And they said, well, what are you? And I had no response. I had no connection. I said, well, I'm, I'm a Jew, Christian Jew, like nothing. And so, which, what did that mean? That mean I wasn't walking my full ident identity in the Lord, clearly. And it wasn't until I met this guy, Grant Berry, sends me one of his books and I read one sentence Christianity is a true 
and proper extension of Judaism. That was what the Lord used. And the veil was not only lifted, like, oh my God, I'm Jewish. I became connected in that moment. And it was like at that moment in time, in the spirit, roots grew from my shoes into the ground. It was so powerful and it changed everything for me. And so I, you know, I have a, such a heart for people in the church, Jewish people in the church that have no dis, no connection to who they really are and who they're called to be. And um, Amen. So, yeah. Amen, Hallie. You know, beloved, one of the things we need to understand in this, in, in these modifications that are coming is that we need to encourage Jewish believers in the church. They don't have to lead the church, but but we need to encourage them to live out their Jewish identity because we need to become stronger as a witness back to unsaved Israel that the true and proper extension of Judaism is Yeshua. So, or is through Yeshua. So, uh, Bob, what are, your, what are your thoughts? I had a rather remarkable experience that goes back, shoot, boy, probably 15 years ago. Went to an event here in L.A. where John Hagee was here, who has Christians United for Israel, Gufi. And um, at the end of the event, um, I was walking out, and another pastor who I knew said, so when are you Jews going to like come into the church? When are you, you know, when are you, we know you're believing Jews, but why aren't you worshiping with us? Because if you're believing Jews, then we don't understand why you're not coming into the church. Well, before I get to the answer to that, I think that at that time, the majority of believing Jews, and it may still be the case, more of them were in the church than were in Messianic congregations. I don't know where the statistics are today. But the point of this is, is that there were a great many Jewish people that were already in church. But I felt that they were not really connecting well to their Jewish roots because the church was almost always New Testament oriented. And so a lot of the teachings that would have given us a deeper understanding of our Jewish roots from the Old Testament were sort of passe. Uh, not that the Old Testament wasn't wasn't taught from, but my answer to him when he asked me about whether the Jews were coming to the church was, I know it was something that the Lord gave me. I just said to him, we're only worshiping God the way that Jesus did. And I stopped and went, wow, what did I just say? Jesus worshiped God as a Jewish person. We're worshiping God as Jewish people. You can't criticize that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and as a matter of fact, if we're going to really be united in the kingdom, then the idea of worshiping is something that needs to be universal. And that's why I like going to churches. I went to church on the way. I'm in Southern California. A lot of the worship was done in Spanish. Certainly not the majority of it. But we intentionally pulled different languages into our worship, just as we were pulling different cultures into our worship. And so to go with, with what you're saying, this Christianity is an extension of Judaism, is and always will be. 
because the Lord is Jewish and for people to follow a Jewish format to worshiping God should not be wrong. Now, we're not denying Yeshua by going to, to the Jewish form of worship, but we're actually doing it because of our faith in Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah, as the Messiah of Israel. That's his very definition. So that was my response, and I still stand on that, that, that uh, for people to believe in a Jewish Lord is for people to honor a Jewish way of worship. Yeah, and that's not to say that uh, everything has to become Jewish and I everything has to become Gentile. It, the, not the at all. Key, the key right. is that we would have love and liberty and honor and respect the different expressions within the context of love and unity in the one you man. That's the key right there. We Absolutely. don't all have to be the same, but we are one in the spirit. There's no difference between us in the spirit. That's what Paul meant. Uh, in Galatians, when he said there's no Jew, Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Well, just look at the difference between a man and woman today. And you know that he wasn't talking about the different expressions. He was talking about uh, the, 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 uh, the oneness of spirit. And both Jew and Gentile have to believe in Yeshua to cross over from the curse of sin which the law brought into account, right? Isn't that what Paul, what how the Lord used Paul to give us insight yep. and, 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 and revelation? Any other comments? And just a, a quick statement is that in Ephesians, after we talk about the one new man, uh, in verses 14 through 16, 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. So there's the picture of the Jew and the Gentile, those who are far off and those who are near, which reflects what it says in uh, John 17. And then for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So the picture of unity is there based upon not just our Jew and Gentile, but our relationship to Abba Father. So Yeshua is pointing us to the Father as a father in the family, we're all members of the same family because we all have the same father and we all have the same spirit. So it's showing the unity within the Trinity and the unity within believers by being members of the same family. Now, now all of the Jewish believers in the first century had to make modifications and adjustments. They had had God to themselves and they were kind of shocked when the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius uh, and uh, others um, that were beginning to come to faith. But we, we, we know what happened and we know how readily the apostles moved into wanting to embrace the Gentile side of the family. Well, here we are 2000 years later and now the Lord looks to shift back to awaken his firstborn so the family could be made complete. And so modifications and adjustments are needed in the Gentile side of the family. And because the church has grown up somewhat with a skewed identity because it lost, you see, um, and we're going to address this a little bit with the second question. I've asked Antoinette to touch on this because we need to understand what the church lost. 
We need to understand when you read about the one new man in Acts, what do you read? You read about church we all long for. Hey, I hear it all the time. I want to be like Acts chapter two. I want to be like the Acts church. Because there was this beautiful love and unity and the and the children from the nations, the Gentiles were like, oh my God, I'm now like equal with Israel. I can be, I can inherit their covenants and promises. And I want to tell you, beloved, Uh, The new covenant is a lot about the apostle Paul working hard to convince the Gentile side of the family that they were now co-heirs and equal with with the Jews. So uh, Antoinette, Antoinette, um, do your best to describe that connectedness of Jewish and Gentile believers. Let's have a let's have a somewhat of a, a, a dialogue about this in the first century and what we actually lost when the church merged with Rome? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, the Jewishness, uh, uh, it must have been the most amazing, amazing time in the first century when um, the Jewish uh, uh, believers carrying the Holy Spirit carry the gospel out uh, from Jerusalem and they start to travel and pass on the gospel to the rest of the world. They become the light. They are light carriers and they bring the light to, to Gentiles, I mean, to pagan worshippers. <laughs> it must have been the most awesome time. And um, just reading through, I can understand why people, why we, we all long for the book of Acts to, to be evident in our, in our walk. Because the the love and the unity between Gentile believers who are so overwhelmed um, that they who were lost and without hope and without God are suddenly brought into the family of God. I mean, before that point in history, Gentiles, yes, without hope and without God. But suddenly the heavens open. And it's and it's not as though the heavens opened and you know it rained. It came through Jewish people. It came through the gospel came through. They carried the light out. They breathed the light out in the word. And um the gospel just uh, went forth. And it, to me, it's amazing. It must have been um, just the most beautiful thing to see, to to have a, a pagan heart set alight <laughs> and to know that it's the God of Israel, the God of the Jewish people um, who've been like, 
strangers and foreigners. You couldn't get near Jewish people because of their separateness. Suddenly the door is open and there's there's love being poured out and this oneness. Um, oh, it must be, it must have been so beautiful. Um, and I and I, I I love reading the Book of Acts and and just reading about that time uh, and the relationship between uh, the believers. And one of the things that also um, strikes me is that there was such order because of the apostles. I think the fivefold were operating. And because of that fivefold uh, um, administration of the kingdom, there was just such order in the body. Well, I mean, that's what it appears to me anyway. <laughs> but um, so with order, the children are happy, you know, you can be, you can grow and flourish when there's order. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love reading about it, but what also really excites me is that we are we are that generation. We are a pivot generation. That we pivoting back, and it's just such a an amazing thing uh, for us to even be dialoguing together tonight. <laughs> so you know, you know, I always. Uh, say in the Romans 911 materials that the Lord is looking to restore the former glory for the future glory. So think yeah. about that for a moment. I and mean, we know all of us, you know, most of us on this call are, you know, have an, uh, levels of maturity. We know the word. We know that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Uh, so we know that, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be even greater than it was when they established the church. But we need to go back to recognize the things that the Lord established uh, that tie into the fullness of glory. I mean, uh, if you if you read John 17 in this light, the word glory, you most probably hear me say this a number of times and, and you'll most probably hear me say it many, many more times because we've really got to understand this principle. Uh, the word glory, glorify is, is in John 17, nine times, five times in the first five verses. And if you drill down a little bit deeper in the one you man in John 17, from verses 6 to 19, he's praying for the Jew, Jewish believers. And then in 20, he, he switches, praying for the Gentiles. And he says that is it's the love and unity between them that the world is going to know. So the fullness of glory, the Father's waiting for this, this restoration in the family to take place. And the original breach in the family was when the church broke away from its Jewish roots and heritage. And now that Israel's awakened, we have to make a switch and make modifications so that the Father's will could be done to complete the, the fullness of the church, the fullness of Israel, 
and mobilize us perhaps most probably into the greatest battles, the last great harvest, Israel's salvation and the preparation of the bride. This message is coming to a remnant, beloved, first. And it's coming to us for a reason. But with that reason, there's a responsibility for us to begin to understand the deeper uh, strategies that the Lord is wanting to bring forth because he's wanting to use us to stand in the gap to awaken the rest of the church. You know, uh, there's a beautiful picture here. You know, the Lord leaves the one and goes for the night. He leaves the 99 and goes for the one. But I'm telling you, beloved, with this restoration, he is he is leaving the one and going for the 99. He wants none of his children lost. And the church needs to receive this revelation and message. But first, we need to understand the strategy and the plan of God so that he knows, so that we know how to pray for it, to agree with him, to help bring it to pass. Um, Susan, any any questions uh, coming from the group? Um, we haven't had any so far, but I can I make a quick comment? Please. I, you know, I'm always fascinated because, you know, the Jewish people were shocked when the Gentiles came in to, to the church um, early on. But I heard someone say, actually, I was watching a video from One for Israel today, and, and uh, what he said was, if, if God hadn't brought the Gentiles in at that time, the Jewish people probably would have so jealously hidden their beliefs from the world because we, we tend to be very covetous of our God and our faith. And uh, I mean, I'm sure Hallie can attest to this too, that it's a very closed society of people. Um, and yet God knew that he needed to break the walls down and bring the Gentiles in at that time, or that it, the Jews would never have let go of what they had. And really, you know, when I thought about that, what an amazing thing that is that the Lord did. And there were already a lot of Gentiles that were hanging around the temples and learning about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and following him and reaching for him because they knew there was something different about this God as opposed to their own pagan gods. And, you know, that's what the Lord does. He stirs the hearts of people to say, what is it about their God, the one that they're worshiping, that draws them? And, and even today, you know, as... As a Messianic Jew, as Gentiles, when we give our testimony of what God has done in our lives, it draws people in a way that doesn't matter what their background is, doesn't matter what our background is. The Lord uses those things um, and connects us together. And then he kind of erases, to me, he erases the lines between us. And, and, and more and more we're seeing that we can be different. We can worship differently. We can, you know, we can even have different theologies. We can have different eschatologies. We can have all these differences. But when we stand on the foundation of Yeshua, 
and his death and resurrection and what he's done for us, it just erases all the things that are between us. And so I just wanted to say that, that, that I'm just amazed at how the Lord has, has brought us together. Um, I mean, just look, at, just look at, at the pictures in front of you. I mean, we're all different. We're all from different backgrounds. We're all from different places where you speak different languages. And yet it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is that we all love the Lord and we all seek to do his will. And so I just thank you, Father, for that, for, yes. for, for just causing us to, to become. He weaves us into his net. You know, we're fishers of, of men and women. And he, he weaves us into the net and we all, he shows us what our place is and what our, our job is and all the things that we need to do to catch others and draw Amen. them in. And so, Father, I just thank you for that. Me. Well, while you're all thinking about that, there's something I just wanted to touch on briefly and uh, to give a, just a little bit of insight. Think about it for a moment. Ephesians chapter three, right, tells the story of how the mystery to bring the Gentile side of the family into uh, the, the kingdom was revealed, but it was hidden. There were two principles. It had to be hidden. It was hidden and it had to be proclaimed to the um, high places, spirits and principalities. And, um, and so, of course, we, we, we know that that family mystery was fulfilled when, you know, when uh, the Jewish uh, uh, believers started to take Yeshua out to the nations and uh, to join them uh, to become a part of the body. But now we are looking at the second family mystery, and that is how Israel is to be restored. And what does Paul say to us in Romans 11? I do not want you to be ignorant to this mystery that um, uh, as we uh, come into the full number of the Gentiles, so it says all Israel will be saved. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until we come into that place. So we are now coming into this place of of this mystery being unveiled and it, you know there's a lot of confusion and a lot of misunderstanding and huge amount of disconnection because you know the church now the gentile side of the family if you like they're kind of like the jews you know when a jew when jesus went to the pharisees in the temple court and explained to them i have all these other children these other sheep that I have to bring into the fold, they looked at him like he was Meshuggah. And that is a Yiddish word for crazy. And now he's coming to the Gentile side of the family and he's saying, I need to restore my firstborn sheep. Will you come in alignment with me? Will you, will you come into agreement with my plans? And I need to, beloved, Everything I have is already yours, right? That's what he says to the uh, uh, to the to the brother in the prodigal. Everything I have is already yours. That's what he's saying to the church. But in order for for the 
church to be made whole, in order for the family of God, in order for the bride to be ready for his coming, the Jewish side of the family needs to be restored. So this is like a, a, a golden ignition key, um, this switch of the principle of the gospel back to the Jew first and then to the Greek is is like an ignition key that opens the door and revs up the engine to to really prepare the body for what is about to take place but first we have to be able to recognize it understand it and then we have to learn how to be able to communicate it to others that they can more readily embrace it and uh, that's what i believe is going to happen in the next uh, uh, two to five years. We're not only going to just, beloved, follow the reconnection mandate directives. We're kind of, right now, we're kind of in one and two. We're still in like one and two. One and two is about understanding the message. Two is about coming into the unity and reconciliation. Three is about coming into the the fullness of the repentance that's needed so that the church embraces the Jewish body. And then we need to enter a time of study and renewal, which a number of us are already on, so that we begin to move out in the uh, actionable items of this restoration with the salvation of Israel and realigning the church and reconnecting the, the church in the nations to the body in Israel and the messianic body in the diaspora. And as we begin to do that and hold up the arms of the messianic body, it's a picture of, of Aaron and her holding up uh, uh, Moses's arms. Who gets destroyed? Who gets defeated? Who gets brought down? It's the enemy. And so the enemy is the one that needs to be exposed here. And uh, I think we've uh, the Lord has really helped us to do a really good job of that in the Romans 911 project to really unveil how the enemy has sowed division and separation in the body. And what the Lord has spoken to us recently is, you know, we those of us that have this understanding, we 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 you know we're constantly thinking that the church needs to adopt certain parts of messianic perspective but how can it do that when it's still blinded and confused and first we have to expose the way that the enemy has has influenced our hearts and influenced our minds and allow the father to pour out his mercy that uplifts these roots and this deception and then brings us into this renewal that's why the reconnection mandate document is such a prophetic, significant document, and I would really encourage you to meditate on it. Um, we send it out to you free, and you can download it also on uh, on 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 the ministry website. Any any other thoughts, comments, and questions? I do. I have a quick one. You know, I talking about being you know part of the blindness and the veil coming up and. And deception and all of that. I just want to say, I'm sitting in a church as a Jewish believer and listening to um, Romans 10, you know, how can they call on the one they have not believed? 
right? We all know that. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it all. But, but, and and how can they call on the wood if they if they haven't heard? And to listen to a full message on that's target on evangelism, rather than you know it it literally. It literally, you know, how it's so missed. I mean, it literally is, is talking about Israel. And, you know, it's, it, it really challenged me. I just want to say. Uh, Grant, um, regarding all of this, uh, uh, the Lord kind of pointed out to me that many of us who grew, I mean, that has been, have been part of the, of the church, uh, the na- narrative that has been given to us has been about, you know, um, okay, man fail. I mean, we sin against God. The Lord or God made a promise of sending a, a, a redeemer. And then the redeemer came and gave his life for us and gave us salvation. And now we're part of the kingdom and the family, and he's coming back. But Israel was never, never mentioned as being important in this narrative. So that, I think, you know, uh, is one of the issues with most of the church is that Israel's, Israel was taken out. Um, what is the role of Israel in all of this? And if we don't go back, and one of the, one of you, I think it was uh, Bob who made the comment about that we were taught mainly from the New Testament, not going back to the Old Testament. So because of lack of knowledge and understanding, specifically from the Genesis, we didn't understand. You know, if we go to Exodus, it's like, why Israel is Israel here? You know, we don't understand why Israel is so important. So we have to go back to the roots of everything. And I think that's what it is, what is going on with the church. Because yeah. I've been asking a lot of people about their narrative and that's their narrative. Yeah, Jackie, you know, um, that that's, it's kind of reinforces the point that we were making. You know, there is blindness and confusion in the church. Why? Why? It's, it's, it's kind of simple. Um, Yeshua said, with the measure you use, it's measured back to you. And in Romans 11, he, uh, Paul says specifically, and it's the Spirit speaking, I am speaking to you Gentiles, to draw Israel to jealousy, to love them on account of the patriots, never be arrogant thinking you've replaced them, and with the mercy that you have received, release it back to them. Well, we know that the church was really kind of like Jonah. It's an interesting picture here because Jonah was a Jew called to the Gentiles, didn't want to go. And the Gentiles have been given edicts to love Israel. And instead, what did the church do? It persecuted and and killed them instead. And so when, and when we talk all about this, this is hard stuff to speak about, but we have to, to discuss the issues because the evil one is the one that needs to be exposed here. Satan needs to be exposed in the way that he has sown these obstacles and deceptions into the church. They need to be exposed first. And the picture here and direction for the Romans 911 project is to do that and then to bring uh, the church into a place of confession and repent and repentance 
from these influences such as replacement theology, but also the residual influences of replacement theology that continue to affect the mindset of the church, even the church that's moving towards Israel. And then what about generational anti-Semitism that's in the bloodline? We, we have got to stop trying to correct We've got to understand the obstacles and move into a place where where the Lord can bring, pour out his mercy, bring forth healing, wash our minds and our spirits, and then enter us into a time of renewal. And very interesting, beloved, take a look at, underline the word mercy in Romans 11.32, and then underline it in 12.2. And you know, a lot of us in the church, when we, we kind of skip a nine through 11 and we go to Romans 12 and it says, renew, you know, re, uh, you renew your minds and your spirits with the word and then you'll be able to test God's will. But I can make an argument for the fact that if you look at what Paul was saying in, in Romans 12, he says in view of this mercy, well, if you look at Romans 11:32, it says God has given us all over to disobedience that he may have his mercy on us all. And so there's this place first where we've got to recognize the the obstacles need to be removed. Bring us into confession and repentance. The Father releases his mercy and then he brings us into Directive number four, it's study and renewal, which brings us into directive number five, which is for the church to fulfill its role to be a light and salvation to Israel, both in prayer and in witness. Yes. And for the two, both Jew and Gentile, to restore love and unity. And what happens when we allow the Father to heal the breach? We take back something strategic from the evil one called division. And that empowers us, especially us as watchmen, to go after the other divisions in the church because uh, the, 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 the division and separateness in the body is, is uh, 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 grievous to the heart of the Father. And we, we must understand the strategy that the Father wants to release in order to bring this to pass. Beloved, I, I, uh, we only have uh, a, about a, a few minutes left. So I'm gonna, I, we have three hands raised. Uh, 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 Kate, uh, Eliav and Bob, if you could try and keep it to a minute each um, uh, because we have some things to close out before we finish. Kate, go ahead. I'll be really quick. I was just encouraged that in Ephesians, after speaking about that mystery of the Gentiles coming in, is when the Apostle Paul goes to his knees and prays for every family that has their name mm -hmm. from the Father, from Abba. That's uh, great. Just, just encouraged me. Yeah, that's great. Great. Eliev. <laughs> Yes. Uh, thank you, Grant. Uh, I wanted to say and agree with you in regards to how these two things are important. Identity uh, physically that God has given us as, you know, as Jewish and non-Jews. And the importance also to understand that the, 
that the um, the the one new man, you how we're united is in the spirit. I like how you specifically said that because uh, this is a problem that 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 both Jews and uh, non-Jews, but Jewish believers uh, have a conflict with, and it's in and and. and it's to understand that God does have promises for both groups of people with their unique identities, uh, um, physically speaking. And of course, as, as, as believers, all as believers in Yeshua, uh, spiritually speaking, we are one. Amen. So just, just Thank you, to, brother. Thank you for yep. sharing that. Bob. Uh, we're in a world that we can see the efforts being made to destroy family. Um, and the education system is trying to, you know, reestablish things. Unfortunately, if these things go forward, we'll see the fallout from them. Fortunately, it's when we see that they don't work, that maybe people will come back. Uh, it would be much better if we were able to move forward without the fallout. Uh, when we started working on the Kingdom Calling booklet, the word we got was that the church needs to deconstruct before it can reconstruct. And so there are parts of church history that were not properly established. And one of those things that's so key to replacement theology was the replacement of the Jewish nation with the so-called Gentiles. And that broke the family. We are family. We are Jews and Gentiles. We are in the same family. And the idea that the church would try to step out without their Jewish roots is to grow a tree with only branches and no roots, which is absurd, which is specifically what Paul tells us in Romans 9, 10, 11. Have you ever studied Romans 9, 10, and 11, Brent? Have you given that any time? <laughs> you know? I mean, this is so right in front of us, and yet... This is something that people have talked about that they want to avoid. And it's like, this is New Testament theology. This is not first Old Covenant theology we're dealing with. This is New Testament theology, which is what the church is focused on. And it's precisely what Paul warned us about. Precisely. And so when you talk about that God allows us all to go into this disobedient place why to show us all mercy because we all get the same mercy from the same father Come on. and so that unifies us and and with that understanding we realize that deconstructing is not a dangerous thing to do it's returning to our roots so that we can all grow this tree the tree of israel the olive tree together yes. amen 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 we've been given things to steward by the lord the things that we have are things that were given to us. These are not things that we are to uh, squander, uh, that we are to be very careful with the resources that God gives us, and we're held accountable for those things. So the question is, uh, how do we build the kingdom? And uh, there's always places for us to give. There will always be more places to give probably than we have resources. So what we have to do is we have to submit ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, where is the tip of the spear? Where do you feel that uh, we're going to be most effective in terms of advancing the kingdom? I've always felt that the shortest distance between where we are in the second coming 
is the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. And that as Israel goes, so goes the world. And I believe that that's because of that, that uh, we have to take this before the Lord. And so I ask everybody to be serious about where and when to give. And if this is the place that the Lord has given you a place to give, that listen carefully and do exactly what he tells you to do and bless the ministry in the way that the Lord calls you to do it. Just that simple. Amen, Bob. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, for anyone that wants to join us as uh, monthly partners, you can go to reconnectingministers.org or romans911.org. It's very easy to sign up. And beloved, I just want you to know uh, we keep to a certain format on the webinar because uh, Charisma Magazine is promoting these webinars. So uh, they're recorded and um, they go out monthly. Um, one of our sisters, she was on the call, Leslie Crincoli, before. Uh, she joins me to write those articles and they go out with Charisma Magazine to many, many other believers that are beginning to to sort of track with us and listen to this message. So um, really want to encourage you to help us to build this uh, really virtual Bible study where we're coming together and really digging down deeper into these issues. Um, you know, you can go onto our Facebook and easily share um, some of the posts um, and uh, just partner with us to, to really get get this out there to to other believers because it's such a significant message for the family at this time i want to just um michael you you've really tarred with us brother why don't you close us in prayer tonight we love you dearly thank you thank you thank you Greg. uh it's been a joy to be part of it and thank you for this revelation i just pray that the lord will continue to increase the depth of this revelation and indeed himself he will publish it to the body of Christ uh, the Bible says in the book of Psalm that Lord gave the word great are the number of them that proclaim it our father we just want to say thank you so very much for uh, this precious precious time in your presence we want to thank the Lord Father as you are taking us into the depth of what you're doing this season, especially this moment in terms of the Roman 911 vision. We ask, O oh Lord, for clarity, for depth, for deeper insights, Lord. And especially, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you yourself will connect the dots and proclaim this vision, this message of the body of Christ, the way you really wanted it to be proclaimed. We give you thanks for our time tonight together, um, this evening um, for other friends, and for some of us, early morning, we just want to bless you, Father, for the joy of being together. Glory, honor, adoration be to you. I bless all the panelists, those who have been a blessing to us. I pray that you hand your grace for to rest upon them. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Lots of love. Blessings to everyone. Thank you, Grant, for that insightful discussion. To dialogue with Grant and Halley, Please send comments and questions to email at romans911.org. Again, that's email at romans911.org. If you resonate with the Romans 911 project, please pray about partnering with us to bring this reconnection message to the threshold of the church. Sign up for our monthly email 
Join our global virtual meetings with other believers to dialogue and pray together. And most important, read the Romans 911 book, Time to Sound the Alarm, and view the Romans 911 study guide, 12 to 14 hour video teachings, which are free when you purchase the study guide. The Romans 911 books and teachings are transformational into God's end time plans to prepare the bride and reform the church. They help to create the breakthrough that will change the world. The reconnection message is like a golden key from the heart of the Father to restore love and unity in God's family that opens the door to the fulfillment of Yeshua's prayer in John 17. And it establishes the pathway for the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, to receive the greater glory. But this reconnection message in the one new man has been hidden during the church age in the mystery to reawaken Israel to faith and is only just now coming to light. That's why we need your help to fund this project, to bring the message forth, to help us blow the holy shofar, to awaken the greater church into this restoration. Now is the time. Would you pray to give Chai, to give life to the reconnection, to reach the church and the messianic body and help unite the family of God? To fund the Romans 911 project, we have created the Give Chai Life Campaign. Chai is a Hebrew word meaning life, but it also represents the number 18. And for just one Chai, $18 a month, you can make a difference. Please be prayerful about this. We can't do this without precious saints like yourself who are beginning to get this revelation to help us bring this message before the church. For more information on the Romans 911 project, please visit our website at Romans911.org. It's easy to remember, Romans911.org. Please also subscribe to the Romans 911 project wherever you listen to podcasts at the end.